0: Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp and I'm your host. back to Gnostic Insights. Last week we heard part one of my interview with Scott Smith. We spoke of a couple of books, God Reconsidered, Searching for Truth in the Battle Between Atheism and Religion, and we also touched on The Soul of Your Pet, Evidence for the Survival of Animals After Death. So here's part two of the interview. Okay, here's a really hard question. Here's a big question. (laughs) Give me the thumbnail sketch of what you believe the Gnostic Christianity teaches. What is the the line for that? I think that the points on
1: which the New Testament is in agreement are the the ethics of St. Francis, and I think, Pope Francis has done a good job of preaching these, which is there is a very consistent theme of compassion for others who are unfortunate. The Good Samaritan, you know, sometimes the, the pagans do a better job than Christians do. There clearly is not much justification for the history of mainstream Christianity, which somehow justified massive wars and, um, genocide against certain groups and everything like that. So, you know, loving others and treating others like you would like to be, treat the, the fundamental Christian ethics. I think that it's very important to pray and meditate, and I have a list of all my non-Gnostic ancestors who now know the truth on the other side and would wish me well. I've had, I think that once you start meditating and praying, you find that you are inspired by the Spirit and you have what Carl Jung, a great Gnostic, called synchronicities or miracles, mini-miracles sometimes, where all kinds of strange things happen. And they'll manifest in your life so that you can have, even with all adversity, a really wonderful life. And I've experienced that. My wife and I um, are travel writers. And everywhere we go, and we've been to Saudi Arabia and South Africa and Uzbekistan and all kinds of places, uh, we have miracles happen. And we bring back the message that you should travel and learn about the world and other cultures and then apply the lessons from that and from reading and from interacting with others to your life and be a blessing to others in various ways. So there, everybody's got their own individual path, but I think that people should see if they can find their fellow Christians to share rituals, whether it's the Mass or prayer meetings or things like that. They may not call themselves Gnostics, but there are a lot of other esoteric movements. And try to find others who share some of your ideas. And then, you know, there's a huge percentage of Americans, like 20% that are totally disillusioned with every religion and show people how... An example is uh, the 12-step programs. They are fundamentally founded through the inspiration of Carl Jung Mm-hmm. uh on a spiritual path. And they have a very good program that is compatible with Christianity and Christ's message of accepting responsibility and not dwelling on the past and trying to be of service to others and things like that. These are all common sense parts of a Christian spiritual path. And all the other stuff about the meaning of the crucifixion which many Gnostics would dispute with Christians, and, uh, exactly what happens in the afterlife and who gets saved and all that kind of stuff. These are footnotes because the truth is nobody really knows all that. Now, I do have a discussion on my Facebook page for God Reconsidered on a Gnostic view of afterlife, and I kind of go into all different aspects of it, and also in my last blog called Number 10, The Big Issues That Religions Ignore. And I think that people who embrace whatever version of Gnosticism or esoteric Christianity that they do, they'll find peace. They no longer have to believe in the contradiction that God created us, God is all good absolutely not responsible for any of the bad stuff that happens in this life of the
0: innocent suffering and stuff like that i mean how people can hold those two thoughts together is to me now that i've had my eyes open mm-hmm.
1: compared with the way i, I grew up that uh, it's just mind-boggling to me and you'll you'll achieve peace simply by recognizing that you can be spiritual
0: cognitive dissonance right get yeah. rid of that oh big time yeah and it's just astounding to me how many people uh
1: can yeah yeah. and this has spreads to the new age everything is meant to be you mm-hmm. know uh i'm i'm doing exactly what god wants me to and uh blah, blah 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 i mean the new age stuff is just as extreme in its own crazy way and misleading and um, I think eventually people get disillusioned with it. I mean, you, can, you can't say that this is all God's will and it's all meant to be once you know something about history. Are you going to say that the, uh, the grief that was caused by parents who lost their children, most of them, you know, uh, in childbirth or early childhood, are you going to say that? Those people, or all the people who died from earthquakes or floods or the Black Death or anything else, all these people had it coming. You know, it was part of God's will. Uh, To me, uh, that people could be so blind, and Gnosticism provides many choices for a spiritual path to deal with these uh, issues.
0: Now, the point of the spiritual path, though, it's just the way to live in this world that we're consigned to for the moment, right? I mean, it's a it's a good path to live and to bring us peace and, and perhaps happiness, but it's not to earn any points, right? It's not to right, make right. It, it into heaven.
1: It, yeah, it, the, the notion that we all have an equal shot at uh, earning those points and accepting Christ and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, there there's like Four hundred registered mental disorders, or seven thousand genetic diseases, and stuff. You know, the more you know about history, you realize, you know, we're very, very fortunate to live in the last two hundred years uh, in many ways, and we have now a lot of opportunities to enjoy life that people didn't have before. But you can't consign to hell or oblivion or or something else all those who came before. What you find, and this is, goes back to like the twelve step programs, if you pray, if you put prayer and meditation, and accept responsibility, and uh, find a spiritual path that you feel comfortable with—be it Buddhism or Islam or anything else—there's a way to have a spiritual life, and it will give you inner. there's
0: I certainly agree with you on all of that. Yeah. Tell me about a miracle. Give, give, give me an example of miracles. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and I have this kind of thing happen all the time. One day, I was going on Thanksgiving down to drop off some food for the homeless in downtown Los Angeles. And as I was coming back, apparently, because I don't remember it, a truck, I was driving a little Toyota Corolla a uh, big truck ran a red light and totaled my car
0: mm.
1: and um, when I kind of gained consciousness I didn't know what happened but a pastor came over to me and handed me his card and said call me tomorrow and don't tell the people who ran into you what I'm gonna tell you tomorrow mm. so I took his card and the next day You know, I had the car towed and didn't really know what to do, and uh, the next day he called me and he said, they ran the red light, the boyfriend and girlfriend, I overheard them saying that they're going to claim that you ran it, Mm. because they could see that you, when you were exchanging your licenses and stuff, that you really were in shock. And he said, um, I will testify for you because he said, I just happened to be on that corner looking right at the point of impact wow. when this happened. Mm-hmm. And my insurance company said he was the best witness we've ever had. You know, <laughs> And my life would have been ruined in many ways if, if I didn't have him and um, I got an insurance settlement. I made a donation to his church. He didn't ask for one, but he had a downtown church. But what are the odds yeah. that somebody with that credibility? And, and I have these kind of things all the time happening. It's it, like I said, we, we kind of manifested in, uh, in our travels where we, we often think with our little mortal minds that we're going for one thing and then the miracle happens. It's the thing that we were least interested in, you know. And part of it is that we write a lot about the unique cultural and historical and natural aspects of destinations. And we do not get involved in the obsession with food and drink and shopping and mm. all this uh, most travel articles today, too. And uh, so we've carved a niche where we say, listen, if you're going to travel around the world, Don't waste your time with things you can do back at your major city. like angels appearing to people and stuff is considered commonplace among the mormons so you know i always felt guided and then when i went when i was writing about ufos and stuff like that i came into a spiritual crisis over the meaning of all that and the alien abductions and that led to an unbidden gnostic experience mm-hmm. and then i had kind of the That was like recognizing that the God of this world was not the good God. And then uh, about five months later, I had uh, another mystical experience that showed me the glory of the heavens. Yeah, there's just uh, once you do meditation and help others and pray, uh, you know, the, the spirit starts channeling through you and it changes your life in many, many ways.
0: Now we're living in interesting political times, and you've got this great historical breadth of knowledge that that I lack because I'm not I'm not I've never been that interested in history. But do you, as a as a spiritual man, do you just ignore the political side of things and and stick to the spiritual, or are you trying to manifest spirituality through political movements at all, or are you just ignoring well, I, all of that?
1: I would I would say that like Jimmy Carter and like Pope Francis. Um, it's important to be involved in your community and do good things. Now, exactly how that manifests, everybody's got to decide. I am what I call Jerry Brown, who's one of my political idols, and uh, he once called himself a radical moderate, meaning we're not militant about either extreme. But we are militant about being pragmatic and trying to get things done that will help people. I was involved in politics in the 1980s and off and on during the 90s. I was going to actually be Harry Reid's speechwriter at one point, mm-hmm. uh, but, but this was right after he had first been elected senator, and before he became long before he became the majority leader. Because the reason I knew him was I had a, a letter for Mormon Democrats, who were moderate, and he was one of them, and I sat down with him for an hour for an interview for my newsletter, and I really was compatible with him, but ultimately my second wife at the time did not want to move to the DC area. Mm. Uh, so that kind of canceled that. But um but I've been involved in politics off and on during my life and, and I have, uh, I have about 14,000 social media followers because I post provocative stuff not only on religion, but politics and Travel and uh, history, and you know a number of other things. So I'm fully involved in the world. I mean, at one point I've got a blog called My Adventures in Journalism, which I post periodically. And in, early in my career, in the late '80s and early '90s, um, I covered the war in Northern Ireland, for mm. example. Uh, so I've done some pretty gritty frontline. In fact, I still interview major CEOs for Investor's Business Daily and I've owned a dozen businesses so I'm fully involved in the world and I'm trying to do what I can to promote goodness and good behavior of my business and all that. And I think it's important for the same reason that the Gnostic movements tried to be good within their realm. You know, you don't hear about crazy Gnostics starting wars and killing their neighbors or telling people that you know, they should be crucified because they were heretics and stuff like that. All the good Christians and Jews in the Old Testament times, you know, did all those things. So they they think they've got to have 600 commandments or 10 commandments or whatever it is. Uh, but quite frankly, the Eastern religions are not off the hook either. I mean, you know, the, the history of Hinduism would not be one to recommend mm-hmm. the idea that um, that reincarnation and karma have, brought India to, uh, after billions of years, to a state of enlightenment because, you know, the Hindu nationalists have done terrible things, and so have the Muslims, obviously. And we've been to many Muslim countries. We have a lot of admiration for Muslims who practice an enlightened version of their faith. So you can be a good Christian or a good religious person in any tradition. And I think that while politics is not a priority for Gnostics, you do have to live in the so-called real world. So, I think you you need to do what you can. Maybe it's,
0: you know, serving on the school board or helping kids with learning music or or something like that. There's no dogma, but plenty of opportunities. Mhm. All right. That's very good. Okay, so let's talk a bit about reincarnation. I don't know if you realize this, but my interpretation of Gnosticism includes reincarnation, and I take it that yours does not? Correct. Again, Gnosticism
1: is a diversified movement. You know, two of the big movements that were believers in reincarnation, the Manichaeans and the Cathars, were largely vegetarian. So I would guess today most Gnostics are not vegetarian. Chip Heller of Ecclesia is not vegetarian. I happen to be one of the co-founders of Vegetarian Times, so there's plenty of room to disagree on things. I didn't come to my skepticism about reincarnation initially. Um, once I left my Mormon faith, you know, I, I studied. Uh, I was very close, as I said, with the Krishnas, and I've been to India and so forth. Um, what began to change my awareness of the problems with reincarnation was the great psych uh the great parapsychologist Scott Rogo, who wrote a book called The Search for Yesterday. And he takes a very thorough objective approach to it. Um, so there's a few issues that I'll mention as to why I became a skeptic, but again, on my Facebook page for God Reconsidered, um There's a chapter on afterlife, there's a blog on afterlife, and I go into some of these points in my blog number 10 uh, called the, The Case for Gnosticism, The Big Issues Religions Ignore for people that want to follow up on it. So let's look at a couple of things. One reason reincarnation became popular in this country is that Madame Blavatsky promoted it. And what people don't know is at the end of her life, and I have this from Stefan Heller, uh, she became a skeptic that it was anything more than an occasional thing. The great scholar Gilles Quispel, who translated the Jung Codex, said, um, if, if, uh, if there's reincarnation occasionally, it doesn't have anything to do with karma. So, um, here, here's the, here are the problems with it. Number one, people will cite Ian Stevenson, the great scholar of reincarnation. Stevenson actually did not have a good reputation among people who worked with him. Um, he was always trying to prove that uh, the memories of people uh, turned out to be from uh, people who had lived before and stuff, but there's a whole set of contradictions. Um, first of all, people once research is done on these claims um, sometimes people are having the memories of two different dead people uh, on the uh, reverse of that sometimes uh, people uh, will uh, claim to be the reincarnation of somebody and um, other times the people aren't even dead where they're picking up these memories There's also a lot of inaccuracies. According to Stevenson, all these things were accurate. When you start looking into it and and read about what his his fellow researchers said, many of them are inaccurate. Um, The the Dalai Lama has no memories of past lives. The reason there there are several reasons why people think that they have these past lives. Um, One is just like with dreams. Uh, When you're in the dream, you think it's real. The, The brain is brilliantly capable of taking all kinds of different facts and weaving them into a credible story. But once you accept the idea of the paranormal, there are many other reasons why people have these what are seeming memories, including there are spirits who want to reincarnate, especially from India. Uh, They were told you should reincarnate, so they try to kind of get into the person, possess the person, or at least influence the person. And you can pick up these memories uh, telepathically. Um, Many of the famous cases like Bridie Murphy and Shanti Devi that were cited in the old literature have been proven uh, completely wrong on the details. Modern gnostics or don't, or reincarnationists don't seem to understand what the Hindu teaching is, which is uh, you get reincarnated into the next village about every twenty or forty years. Uh, that doesn't actually explain one uncomfortable thing, which is population increase. You know, if if where where get where did reincarnation start? If it's based on karma uh you have to who created the initial karma um, secondly if all these uh, reincarnations are supposedly helping somebody grow spiritually there's nobody in india who would say that people today in in india are more righteous than during the vedic age when the scriptures were written which was 1500 to 2000 bc uh, the problem with karma is even bigger than reincarnation uh, and that the reason people don't recognize this and the reason people can talk about when even the non-reincarnations about you know you're living the life you're supposed to and uh, you know you're living the way God wanted you to or as a result of karma and stuff is most people have a very limited knowledge of chaos I mean when 99% of species have been extinct when you have Earthquakes and disease and car accidents and and every other thing which we're not that aware of uh, because again you, you go back a hundred years or two hundred years and way back uh, again uh, even as recently as the twentieth century when six hundred million people died of smallpox you know if you get into an absurdity where you have to say well you know um, everybody who died from the the tsunami in 2004 whenever it was you know that was part of their karma they they did something uh, that led to their death um, so without I, I would recommend that anybody who is interested and and i have a forewarning not a fore forward in my book um, about reading it if you're comfortable with the idea of reincarnation do not Look into this, but if you are interested, uh, my book and and the God Reconsidered Facebook page. There are articles there, and you can contemplate them. You can read my read my sources, and I've uh, in my later blogs about afterlife. I and some of the interviews on the Aeon Byte uh podcast by miguel connor i i went into some details i did a whole debate on reincarnation with an advocate uh but you can come to the point where uh you can say well maybe it's not about karma and maybe there's like a, a physical impulse of people wanting to get into bodies or something like that but um you know it's not a dogma one way or the other um certainly um the valid the valent there's only one little half vague line in Valentinian literature. Uh the Marcionites didn't believe in it. The Manichaeans, of course, were not strictly Christians and the Cathars were in the Middle Ages. So if you look at kind of the early literature, there's no real dogma mm-hmm. about afterlife. And and I would say the the one thing you know, there was this tendency to predestination among uh, a lot of early Gnostics for the same reason they believed in astrology which I think is just silly superstition uh, and that is that they didn't understand how the world worked or the cosmos or why people died and, and good people had bad things happen to them and so forth so um, I would just say you know you don't have to there's no dogma about these things dealing with the afterlife my view is that And and Heller shares this, which is, you know, when you go into the near-death literature, no matter the culture, people are greeted by their relatives, by their spiritual leaders of their tradition. It's kind of what they were comfortable with and knew on Earth. And then it appears that, and Mormons believe this, that you can advance spiritually in the hereafter. After you're dead, mm-hmm. there are many different dimensions. So that's a hopeful sign. There's there's no hell. I know some gnostics, you know, believe that you know you you would go to hell, uh, or uh, you know if you didn't do certain things that you, you know, only only the the uh, enlightened would uh, exist in in another life. But I think that uh, the the what I can find out from all the near-death experience books, and I've read about it, a dozen of them, is that, uh, as Joseph Smith, the Mormon prophet, once said, uh, if you could see the lowest level of heaven, you would commit suicide to get there, because the other life is glorious, and uh, it's glorious for everybody. And yes, bad people will suffer uh, their consciences will suffer. But for better or worse, and I'd like Hitler to go to hell, there doesn't seem to be a hell on the other side. So we'll leave the details to the gods.
0: Mm-hmm. You say. Well, I, I agree with you on that part. I, I continue to disagree about the reincarnation, but only to say that... Um, my my book, the one that's coming out right now, A Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel, The Tripartite Tractate, I spend a couple of chapters on reincarnation. So my listeners can uh, read that, and you can read that when you get your copy, and maybe we'll talk about it again sometime. My brother Bill is a uh, hypnotherapist who does past life regressions in order to help people in this life to overcome whatever neuroses they're they're carrying forward it, that's the way that we characterize it but yeah we're, we're not coming at it from um any dogmatic point of view or having even gotten it out of any scriptures in particular it's more of a a, a logical progression
1: so they, first of all the spirits influence people uh the many i've been from what i've read um, the spirits advocate reincarnation, some of the ones in the Hindu tradition when they get to the other side. Uh, men, Mormons would say spirits want to inhabit bodies. They crave physically bodies. Mormons have the idea that these spirits that were cast out of heaven were like us, but uh, they followed Lucifer, and they're not allowed to be born. There's a lot of evidence in the, the alien stories the extraterrestrial ideas about they're trying to create a hybrid so that these entities from the other side we would call archons can inhabit bodies through a hybrid they're not able to um, get into this dimension for very long so there's a lot of complicated things that can that can explain and people can share memories uh, you know as I said uh, that some of Ian Stevenson's accounts about these people in Indian stuff uh, two people have the same memories of one dead person you know mm-hmm. uh, ESP explains a lot and it can occur between this world and the other world
0: and that's that but, transpersonal um, yeah. that transpersonal sphere in, in Union sense you you think we have an external yeah. memory that we can all tap into
1: and yeah, it's all yeah, there you're that, that, right it's it's all out there and yeah. it can, you know my wife who um, it has had many uh, magical literally magical experiences far more than i uh you know we've known a few of the genuine psychics we're friends with worry geller for example and we were just on a coast to coast show with him a couple of years ago and we're still in touch you know there there are a few genuine psychics and they do have ability to you know do things and read things uh, dean radin has this great Book called the I'm, the uh, the conscious. Um, let's see what the heck is the, the book on ESP? Let me just look at my uh, the conscious universe, uh, which is full of information about how the atheists of the Soviet Union realized that uh, ESP was a real thing. Sigmund Freud, an atheist said he had lots of shared memories uh with uh and thoughts with his patients so he knew it was not a supernatural thing it was just a, a just part of reality so yeah you know something when people start talking about quantum physics and the the hundred dimensions of the mm-hmm. multiverse and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff that they're wildly speculating i mean we just discovered dark matter uh, and dark energy recently and we have no idea really what it is. So I think we ought to be humble and say we know very little about the physical world and far less about the eternal world. So (laughs) we can all advocate our our interesting ideas and try to live the best life we can and try to find the truth. But at the end of the day, it's a little premature. I think when we pass to the other side, we'll know a little bit more.
0: That's what we'll know. That's what I often leave off discussions with people. Well, when we pass over, we're going to know, aren't we? <laughs> all right well it's been tremendous talking with you i really appreciated talking with you scott so thank you so much for being on gnostic insights with me today and i look forward to talking with you later after you read my book and we'll we'll choose some of that over maybe
1: sure and i um, i will promote your book to my social media followers so um, i look forward to Getting the truth
0: out there. (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, thanks, Scott. You have a good day, and onward and upward. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Scott Smith, a Gnostic Christian like myself. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to the GnosticInsights.com webpage and use the Contact Me form. Have a great week. Onward and upward. And God bless.